lonely up here. So quiet. Hi, John. Uh-uh. You won't too soon. I thought I might find you here. Is anyone with you? Yes, Marina's here too. We've come up here today to ask you if you'd like to press the button on the randomizer for us. Give me the details. Well, yes, one minor detail we have to mention. Uh, we forgot to bring the randomizer with us. Uh, what's that, Marina? Okay, yes, I forgot to bring the randomizer with us. I, I forgot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Why the call in? Oh, well, we were just in the neighbourhood. You know how it is. Uh, actually, I was thinking that with Thunderbird 5 able to pick up transmissions from all over the world, we might be able to use these switches and knobs and things to uh, maybe find something we could review. You don't mind me uh, using the console here, do you? No, 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 that's fine. Uh, Calling International Rescue. Yes, we'll just turn that off. Uh, right, what can we find? No. No. Definitely no. Keep listening to band 794, Lisa Beam 22. It's very faint. Well, let's hear it. FAB. This is station JR1. That's Johnny Roger 1. That's it. That's perfect. Yes, a fine tale of a hijacked space station used to lure our heroes into a pitched battle for survival. Wowee, that's serious. Well, it's not too serious. I mean, it's only Terror Hawks. So here we are, back for some more Terror Hawks, and once again we are in Series 2. Um, which is fine with me, because I think I prefer Series 2 to Series 1, as I've said before. Although it does mean that I've got more Series 1 to get through, and there's already more Series 1 of Series 2 than anyway so um yeah i remember this as being a good one though with a very memorable villain so bring it on let's see what we've got with jolly roger one and straight away we have a lovely uh, nod to the very first scene in the very first episode we're here in the ruins of the nasa mars base which we never saw the interior of on the show because um, we only really had time to see it before it was blown to bits by Zelda um, to uh, to clear the way for her own own fleet of ships to land. Oh, it's so dusty in here! And obviously Tony Barwick remembered that there's there's this uh, ruined Mars base out there to plunder, and so too did it start. The calling equipment. Interesting. I really like that it's uh, who does it belong to? It's Star who's decided to investigate oh, the Mars base because it shows this is I think the third episode of series two. So he is obviously very quickly learning not only about his family, in particular, you know, stupid old uncle young Star who is here stuffing his face, but also he's he's honed in on the history of the conflict between Humanity and Mars, and what did that start with? It started with the destruction of the Mars base. Is there anything there we could look at? Yeah, let's go have a look. And I can imagine that Zelda has probably been so focused on Earth that she hasn't hasn't even thought of that. Done wrong now, young star. Get to bed. But I just got up. Bedtime, I love this intro as well. With it star tormenting young star with this recording equipment. And that is the only mention of Moid. That's the only mention of Moid in the second series. 
and SRAM only appeared once in the second series. I over here, mine uncle. Again, it kind of hints that there is a life for those characters beyond those episodes because it, you sort of get the impression that they're stuck back in the freezer as soon as their plans fail. This kind of hints that they're some of them at least are free to roam the base, coming up with with evil plans. I I would love to have seen. Moyd's reaction to Zelda saying good morning to him. That would have been a, a, probably a very memorable quote from Moyd, I think. Ahoy there, you swabs! Call me Cotton Goat! Together with the devious boy! Yes, this is the introduction of Captain Goat, um, who is, I think, the only character. Oh, I love that laugh. I think he's the only um, monster that gets released from the cryogenic store in this season. I guess maybe having its star into the mix now was adding more sort of story potential than un unfreezing a monster every week. She had a fine spread of sail, I see. What's he talking about? And we don't get any backstory for uh, for Captain Goat at all. Uh, so no explanation of the fact that he is uh, appears to be a cyborg or something. But he's wearing that little that silly little hat. Sometimes it's kind of nice not knowing any of these characters' backstories. Firstly, because you can read in whatever you want, but secondly, it just makes the comedy all the more stronger. You have no idea what any of these people where they came from at all 1992 abandoned 2004 why should someone board an empty obsolete space station well like with most things in terrorhawks that you can't puzzle out it's uh, got to be no zelda related the enemy Kim lad they will be here soon enough herr captain now remember a disc jockey must be a cheerful fellow with lots of pep. Pep? Yeah, pep. Talk fast. Snap, snap, snap. It's one of my favourite bits of It Star dialogue. Again, I love the relationship between these two. Because Young Star really was not... is not a credible threat on his own. Especially not by this point in the series, but even earlier on in episodes like... Ten top pop where he's out supposedly running the operation it doesn't suit the character whereas having these two out together one as the genius and the other one who hasn't got a clue it makes so much more sense announce the first record for my very first record a walk in the black forest Kestrel. Oh no, Kate Kestrel, okay, yeah. Yeah, pirate radio stations were a, a, a story idea in f quite a few, I think, cult series of the 60s when the huge, you know, the pirate radio thing was, was at its height. And I'm sure, obviously, there would have been pirate radio stations through the 70s and 80s. Certainly the 60s is like the kind of pop culture pinnacle of that that idea, both in reality and in in stories, so it's kind of kind of strange that Terrorhawks would pull this up, but um, it works very well, I think, for this episode. 
and kind of fits the fact that you know we have Ricochet in the year 2065 is still up there um, producing his on his little pirate radio station. 2065 or 2026? Who knows? This is what I'm picking up, man. Listen to this. Hey, we get two Kate songs for the price of one. Always good. I know some people don't like them, but I love them. And now, a word from our sponsor. I am That little musical sting before she started talking. Gorge upon the animal life. Hero, we've got to jam that transmission. Relay coordinates. That's a nice nod back again to the beginnings of the series. Zelda was very much all about, you know, humanity is humanity sucks because X, Y, Z, all those reasons she listed there. Um, by this point in the series, she was very much sort of, you know, destroy the humans, destroy Hawk Nest, and all that stuff. She very rarely mentioned any of that stuff, and I think it was certainly an interesting idea to introduce for her to to be so aware of humanity's flaws. And for the show to not really to challenge that. We are being jammed. Why do you insist on calling me this gym lad? All cabin boys do answer to the name of Jim. So I'm just I'm looking at the uh, the little robotic parrot that Captain Goat has on his shoulder. I assume it's robotic. It doesn't say anything or do anything. Properly functioning brain between the three of us. Minor. <laughs> Ours, of course. Of course. Oh dear. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just a joy to me. I'm sorry, I know there are people out there who don't like him. I can't I can't see it. I think he fits in beautifully. It's just one more level of zaniness Hero. for this otherwise Prepare crazy world. Ten ten. We're gonna blow it and whoever's aboard to space fire and damnation. You clearly heard Young Star's voice. Surely by this point in the series you would know who is on board that station. Oh well, never mind. I would like you tell Hawks to listen to something. Who is this? My identity doesn't matter. And I think this is also the first time the Terror Hawks actually speak to, to its star. Which means he can do this. And it's it's the only time in the series he can pull this trick. They've got a hostage, a young girl. It has to be some kind of a trick. But they can't I want be sure. That's 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 the genius of of using its star in this episode and putting this episode so, so early on in the second series. And when's your birthday? It's uh, the twenty first of October. That's today. Oh, we have an actual uh, date given in an episode. No more questions. I'm not convinced. That's unusual. I don't believe you're holding a hostage, don't you? We could try and check it. Missing persons computer, Tokyo. No surname, no year of birth. It's impossible to check. You're right, Tiger. Well, you could at least try. You know, it's a Jennifer from London, even though it's not real. It's like... Uh... All right. Kate and I will go ahead and Hawklet to be totally sure. Hawklet, yay! Fire. Is this the uh, first appearance of of Hawklet? Uh, I think it might be. To be honest, I get a bit confused with Hawklet and Hawkspy and which appeared when and uh, 
think this is the first time we we see Auckland. Scan set. We'll make one. Which is just a tiny little cap. shuttle with no room to swing a cap, but. Uh, Cubes, evasive action. Give him a broadside, my hearty. So now we've gone from Ricochet into uh, set sail for adventure from Stingray, really, with this. It's kind of a nice amalgamation of uh, two classic episodes from the Super Mario Nation shows. This is great. And it's, it's such it's something Tony Barlock seems to be so skilled at, particularly with this show, taking all these sort of disparate elements that really shouldn't work combined and somehow making it all, all run smoothly. Hoist the mainsail! I'll whistle us up a fair wind! Like, there's really no reason for Captain Goat to be here at all, because he doesn't actually do anything. It's the cubes who are doing the firing. It stars in charge. Young stars manning the radio. All, all Goat's doing is watching the window, but it's so much, so much more enjoyable with him here. You know what day it is, 101? Tuesday. You. <laughs> it's October the 21st. I love this show. Trafalgar Day. So what? The Out of all the shows that have been released on, on DVD and Blu-ray, and, and obviously that is essentially all of them, I really, I really hope people have had the chance to, to look at this again if they've dismissed it previously, especially the later episodes like this, because by now it is just there's a very big, beautiful, almost elegance to the way this the, some of these series two episodes are constructed. Make provision to repel borders. It's like it's it's as silly as we it ever got in the first season, but somehow now it absolutely works. Steady as she goes now, steady. And lovely shot of the uh, the pirate ship lining up alongside Spacehawk. Again, we get some of these overlaid explosions on each of the models, which I was never. I think I said previously I was never keen on this. Look at that. Fire at will. Remember Trafalgar. Give it to us. The Trafalgar thing is maybe a, uh, a step too far. This is always already looking nice and nautical. We don't necessarily need that to. Despite not being willing to uh, set off too many explosions on the model, they certainly love trashing the puppet sets in this show. This is terrible. Get it up, you flea-bitten swab. We need new sails! <laughs> yeah, I love how Goat is utterly prepared to go down with the ship. No, I must stay with the gallant captain and face my destiny. I'm going. Well said. You're a bright one, Jim lad. It was nothing. Uncle Youngster, wait for me! So Itstar manages to both be a, a hero and a, a complete coward. Beautiful. And they've just abandoned Goat to his fate. They've left him on the uh, the disintegrating uh, radio station. Very strange... Uh, End to Captain Goat here. <laughs> Just throwing himself laughing into the void of space. Um, for seemingly no reason. Because he seems so set on you know going down with the ship, and now suddenly he's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll throw myself overboard. Lovely shot of the, uh, the satellite disintegrating there, though. 
And this is lovely too. Stand down, hero. Ten ten, doctor. Because they weren't sure, and they would they don't know if they it was terrible, blew a little girl to pieces or not, and they're never gonna know. Then the prince of pirates will fight other battles. Mm. Well, not in this series, he won't. Fellow Captain Galt reminds me of an old problem. Which is a shame, because he made a really strong introduction, I think, in this episode to Captain Goat. Lives to make an even bigger fool of himself another day. <laughs> well, you should know, you were the one who, uh, you were the second one off the ship after Youngstar. Not as stupid as him, but uh, almost as bad. Anyway, that was Jolly Roger 1. Yeah, again, as with, I think, probably two-thirds of the episodes in the second series of Terrorhawks, another really good one. Again, showing off how uh, how much of an asset it star was to to that show. And a lovely homage not only to, to sort of old naval-type battles in, in films and shows and things, but also to, as I said, the Supermarination shows with Ricochet and Set Sail for Adventure. It's a kind of an odd um, mashing of the two that seems to work quite well. Captain Goat is another lovely character, not given as much to do here as perhaps other monsters. I don't know if they ever planned for him to come back in the TV show if it had gone on longer. But uh, luckily, Captain Goat also returned in the audio series in uh, series three more than 20 years after he first appeared. That's quite something. 